Hey guys, welcome back to a new season of Midweek Rise Up. If you're new here, my name is Erica. I'm the host of this podcast, but please do me a favor, call me E. Only strangers call me Erica. We have a lot to unpack today as we dive into the word for the week, but real quick, a few housekeeping items for you. First and foremost, I don't just pump out episodes blindly. I'm very intentional and prayerfully considerate about each one that is recorded and released. So what that means is if an episode gets released on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday, or there's a week in between episodes, it just is what it is, my friends. (laughs) Similar to last week, I pray that you're seeing God move and work in your life as you give gratitude and praise for the day that you're in. In this episode, we're going to address a word that people celebrate, but also at times heavily avoid, which is ironic because you can definitely not avoid this. So let's each of us prepare our heart, clear our mind, and take a deep breath and unpack the word for this week together as we jump into the good news. The word for this week is change. We live in a world of constant change, from our cell phones to relationships to the car we drive and even the music that we listen to. And the only constant in change is that change is constant. And it's really up to you to decide whether or not you're going to bend with the wind of change or be completely snapped in half by it. But what I find truly ironic and to some extent paradoxical is the love and hate relationship we all have with change. Because change is the one thing that is hoped for and prayed for as much as it is despised. It's the one thing that terrifies us as much as it motivates us. Because we'll push against change and then finally accept it, get all settled in, and then all of a sudden we're uprooted again. And the cycle starts all over. There's a joyful side to change and there's also a painful side to change. A time where it's welcomed and then another time where it's completely fought. A perfect example of this is New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Our culture is obsessed, and I'll be honest, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of this problem. We get the new planner, we set the new goals, the new resolutions, the new eating habits, the new year, new me plastered everywhere, gone with the old ways of life, setting up these lofty New Year's resolutions. But you want to know a fun fact? A really fun fact here? According to a study conducted by the University of Scranton, just 8% of people achieve their New Year's goals. 8%. You want to know how many fail to keep their New Year's resolutions? 92%. 92% of people that set up these amazing New Year's resolutions fail to follow through with them. But this is a perfect case in point. Do you really want to put in the effort? Are you really open to change? Are you really going to be waking up at 5 a.m. to go work out? Are you really willing to risk what it takes? Are you really willing to endure the direction that God is leading you? Because there's only two directions change can go here. We're either changing in a positive way for improvement and drawing closer to God or a totally negative way in a form of decay and becoming more distant from God. And I was reading something the other day by Dr. John Cotter in a Harvard Leadership Journal for one of my doctorate classes. And if you've never heard of Dr. Cotter, he's known for a lot of his books and being a best-selling author, but also in the business world as being like a leading expert on change and leadership. And in one of his books called Leading Change, he talks about there being an eight-stage change process within the corporate world. And he further explains that the steps are establishing a sense of urgency, second, creating a guiding coalition, third, developing a vision and a strategy, fourth, communicating the change, fifth, empowering employees through training, sixth, generate short-term wins to improve morale, seventh, consolidate gains to produce more change, and finally, anchoring change in corporate culture, which then leads to individuals or organizations to get from here to there point A to point B. 
And that's great and all for corporate change. Those eight points are perfect. The eight steps to success in a corporation. But what about deep personal change? A change that you ask for and then literally within the same breath reject. Because let's be honest, change can be absolutely terrifying, but it is also very real and 100% inevitable. Practically speaking, there are two forces that initiate change, external forces and internal forces. Pretty self-explanatory, but external forces are those around you, and then internal forces are the ones from within you. And the minute that we start to feel the ground underneath us shaking with inevitable change on the way, we as humans, these creatures of habit, have a decision to make. Do you go with the change or run the opposite direction through every rabbit hole to avoid it? There will be growth and change. There will be pain and change. There also will be truth and change. So let's unpack all three of these and how as children of God, we are to navigate the messy and unavoidable terrain of change. First, let's talk about growth and change. There's moments in our life where we feel a change is coming. People coming in and out of our life. The things that used to be comfortable and familiar are no longer comfortable or familiar. The things that were once easy might be heavier, almost like a burden or an unnecessary distraction when before it was a total fire burning within you. Things might feel more forced now or out of rhythm. This is the genesis moment of growth, of of change. And whether you want to accept it or not, it's a condition we will always be faced with as long as we're on this side of the dirt. But practically speaking, I will put a bet on it that you are not the same person that you were when you were in fifth grade. I mean, I hope that you're not. That would be strange. But you've grown. You've seen aspects of life you didn't even know existed when you were 10 or 11. You've been exposed to heartbreak, loss, pain, joy. But all that to say you've grown. Because there's no growth in comfort. We all know that. Growth is gradual, not something that happens overnight. And that, my friends, is very similar to your spiritual growth when it comes to faith. In 1 Peter 1, verse 6-7, through it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you really think that your faith would grow if you were always in comfortable positions? Your faith means nothing until it's tested, until you face trials. And there are so many examples in scripture where God challenges us to grow in the middle of change. But the one that constantly sticks out to me, aside from Apostle Paul in the New Testament, is found in the Old Testament. When God told Abram to leave the place where he was living and establish a new home in a completely different country. It's not like they had moving trucks back then or a Home Depot to go buy moving boxes and supplies. Their travel was by foot. And while they traveled along the way, they lived in tents. This is what I want you to take note of. When God says go and you listen, the path might seem like an extended camping trip. And you might be going from tent to tent, just like in Genesis 12, when it talks about multiple verses of Abram constantly on the go. Chapter 12, verse 6, Abram passed through. Verse 8, from there he moved to the hill country. Verse 9, and Abram journeyed on. You guys, this wasn't just a weekend camping trip. Abram was on the move. He was on the go. But even in the middle of that change and even in the middle of that journey, what did Abram do in Bethel? He built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. During this whole whirlwind and momentum of change, going from the old to the new, going from one place to another, a tent to another tent, Abram called upon the name of the Lord as he went along, growing and strengthening his relationship with God as he walked by faith and not by sight. Abram is the perfect example of living a life of worship and witness. 
And we should be bold enough to ask God to plant our feet on higher ground where we can find ourselves with an elevated faith and a totally different perspective, even a renewed perspective. Because growth is natural and at times spontaneous, but it's real and it's unavoidable and totally automatic. And if you don't believe me that it's automatic, the perfect example of this is found in nature. You can literally research and learn about growth patterns. I did this the other night, went down a total rabbit hole and came across the spiral growth pattern, which is the most common one out there in nature. And you can see it in roses, shell, seashells, uh, your hair follicle. But it all follows a mathematical growth pattern, creating what they call a golden spiral. And then dug even further and came across the Fibonacci number, or sometimes it's known as the Fibonacci sequence. And where I'm going with all of this is that you'll never be fully prepared for change. But that's not new. Every decision that you make is a decision made from a result that came before. And this is where we go back to the Fibonacci sequence. Research it if you still have no idea what I'm talking about. But what is actually new is you deciding what you tell yourself when you see change on the horizon. Will you choose thoughts that are in alignment with worship and witness? Or will you fall into a mindset of scarcity, of fear, where you're telling yourself, I'm not prepared for this. I'm not ready to act. I can't do this. But just promise me this. Don't spend so much time fighting change that you just completely miss out on the challenge and opportunity of actually being fully immersed in a new season of life that God has prepared for you. Because it's easy to do that. It's easy to miss out on the opportunity to do life with God in that moment of disruption, to lean on him more, to learn more about him. And then also too, in the ways in which he's called us to be adaptable, to be ready and to be waiting for when he calls our name. The second point I want to talk about is pain and change. And I could do a whole podcast episode by itself on this topic, but I'll keep it brief. C.S. Lewis said it best when he said that God whispers to us in our pleasure, but shouts to us in our pain. And there's pain that hurts you, hurts your feelings, messes up your day. But then there's a pain so deep, so intense, that it literally changes you. It leaves scars on your heart and even sometimes half-healed wounds that open up later on in life. These broken relationships, loss of a loved one, those are the storms that can either build us or totally break us, leaving us completely shipwrecked. All conflicts hurt, and that pain can be harnessed towards a good change or a bad change. It just depends on how you respond to the conflict and then deal with the hurt. And the worst thing that you can think is, I can change that person, and then I won't have this pain. I want you to think again about that because you cannot fix people. I think we've talked about this in one of the other, other previous episodes from last season. You do not have that much power. You can pray for them to change. You can encourage them to change. You can share wisdom with them on ways to change, but you cannot spiritually or physically change them on your own apart from their own will and God's. And on the path of change, you will lose friends. You'll get a feeling that you're on a totally new journey by yourself that will test you, that'll pull on your heartstrings, that will test your faith, your sanity, your focus, your drive, your ambition, show you a side of yourself that you possibly didn't even know existed. But I also challenge you to not use change as a way to avoid the pain and growth. For example, constantly changing relationships because you're afraid of commitment or constantly changing where you live because you're not satisfied with the house or the lifestyle or basically constantly forcing change to avoid the pain of natural change, which is a facade of you being in control. 
which is completely unhealthy. But something I want you to take note of is that pain and change becomes more manageable when you are actually able to keep your heart drenched in truth, when you don't have an answer to the why, when you don't have an answer to the how. God's word is filled with encouragement toward growth and the goodness that can be found in the middle of change with God's presence right there alongside you every step of the way through it. And just like I mentioned previously with Abram traveling tent to tent after a journey like that, after a moment of growth and change, use it to bring yourself closer to Christ. Don't ever let bitterness or resentment plant seeds in your heart. Let it fuel within you a life of obedience and commitment. In Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 through 27, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. When you're walking in this newness of life, you will have a new heart and you will absolutely have a new spirit. Think of the metaphorical pain in that newness, in that change from hard to soft, from tough to tender, the removal of a heart of stone, this hard weighted heart, but beautifully intentionally replaced with a heart of flesh. One of my favorite biblical commentators, you've heard me quote him before, Matthew Henry, he said that God would give a heart of flesh, a soft and tender heart, complying with his holy will. Renewing grace works as great a change in the soul as the turning a dead stone into living flesh. God will put his spirit within as a teacher, a guide, and a sanctifier. The promise of God's grace to fit us for our duty should quicken our constant care and endeavor to do our duty. If you continually resist change, you're just making the inevitable more painful. Focus on God's sovereignty during those moments of change. I know many of you probably recite Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. But look at his sovereignty on full display in verse 29 and verse 30. And take heart in this because it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Being conformed in the image of Christ is hard. It is not easy. We are so broken and we are such sinners. And sometimes it is painful. But remember, even through the highs and the lows, that God is sovereign and he knows the end from the beginning. And because of this and so much more, we can fully trust in him at all times. Ultimately, painful circumstances, trials, tribulations are used by God to help us grow in likeness to Jesus Christ. Which brings me to my final point, truth and change. Yes, God is faithful, but he is a God of freshness and newness. And it's important to note that it's not he who changes because God never changes and neither does his son Jesus Christ. His word is absolute. And he remains the same yesterday and today and forever. But God's work, God's creativity, his innovation, that is where the change happens. His mercies are new every morning. And through God's faithfulness, we are able to experience a growing relationship with him through his truth during moments of change. The first thing that comes to mind when I unpack the meaning of truth and change is the transforming power of the gospel, hands down, life-changing salvation. And as we talked about above in Ezekiel 36, he puts his spirit within you. And when this happens, you start to see things differently. Things that you once thought were okay aren't anymore. You start to hear things differently. Certain music sounds more harsh and certain words seem more crass. 
And certain actions even seem more disturbing and unacceptable than they were prior. That's how you know the Holy Spirit is working within you. When the ways of your old life seem gross or hard to swallow or uncomfortable, you've died to that self. You are bought by the blood of our resurrected Jesus Christ. You are made new. And God is using the Holy Spirit to change you, to convict you, to direct you, to guide you. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast episode today, just remember this. The Spirit of God will use the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God, to make the children of God more like His Son, Jesus. So in closing, all I ask is that you don't cut new beginnings short by your fear of the unknown or your fear of something not lasting again and then changing again. The only way to have sustainable life-changing growth is to be engaged with it. Embrace it. Seek God fully in it and find glimpses of him all throughout the moment of change. And remember, you don't have to engage in spiritual growth alone. In fact, you're encouraged not to. As Christians, community is vital and being surrounded by other strong believers can be a tremendous help as well. Don't isolate yourself off thinking that no one will ever understand what you're going through. That's not true. You might be very surprised as to who can relate to what you're going through. We weren't meant to do life alone. So let me leave you with some encouragement. Apostle Paul, through all of his mountains and valleys, said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. We won't find peace in the fluctuating circumstances around us. We just won't. We never will. We will only find our peace in God. Actively make it a point to shift your perspective and reposture your heart into a position of gratitude, especially if it's drifting towards discontent. Trust in God. He knows exactly what he's doing and no plan of his can be thwarted. And as you go into the weekend, remember this. Keep pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And hold close to your heart the words found in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Walk in the light, my friend. Go rise up. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that these words encouraged and challenged you and postured your heart for the rest of the week ahead. If you have a minute, go to the subscribe and review section of this podcast. Leave us a word or a Bible verse that you've been carrying in your heart throughout the week that keeps you encouraged and motivated. I really want this podcast review space to almost be like that added bookmark for the simple reminder that we're all in this together and that God's got this. Also, for more information on Proclaim and Lead Ministry, our Bible in 365, as well as Proclaim Streetwear, please click the links below. We're so grateful to have you join us right here on Midweek Rise Up.